All right, uh, so thankful you guys are here today. Um, listen, thank you so much for uh, Wendy and uh, Blake and Dan for leading us in worship today. I appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, we, we, last week we didn't have worship and we had a lot of people said, hey, can we please do worship? And I 100% see why now. We, we really need to do that. You know, what worship does is, is worship, it, it prepares our hearts to hear the word of God because sometimes the word of God can be a little bit, can be a little heavy. It can be a little bit of a, it, it, it can really can um, cut through. Uh, anything that can cut through that sin, anything that can cut to the core of who we are, uh, needs some preparation, needs some softening of us. And so that's what worship does. It prepares for the word of God to be brought forward. And I want to tell, uh, especially Dan, for preparing that for us this week. I appreciate that, Dan. And thank for you guys for being here. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, it is day 4,021 of the quarantine, it feels like, um, and um, I have almost run out of projects to do uh, at home uh, and of things to study, and so, but I hope, uh, I hope you guys are doing well, seriously, on a serious note. I hope you guys are doing well. Listen, I know that, um, I know that, that uh, these times may seem a little bit uh, unsteady, but make no mistake about it. Uh, Jesus Christ is not unsteady at all. <laughs> he, he's not shocked. Uh, there's no there's no surprise in him. Um, he, he's he is uh, he is still absolutely on the throne. And just like I told you last week, you need to embrace the calm that he brings, and do not let the storm that's on the outside get on the inside. Uh, be informed, but don't be obsessed. Uh, so make sure you guys are, are doing that. I, I was thinking, I've been planning this series for a while, but it's so crazy because sometimes when God kind of drops a series into my lap, I kind of think, well, I wonder why he wanted us to do that during that time. And how is that all going to fit in? And, and I've literally been looking at doing this series for probably three or four months and uh, been working on it and, and preparing for it. And now I understand why. God wanted me to do this series during this time. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, actually, we're going to Bible thump today. So just hold off on that. Um, we are going to be in the book of John chapter six, though. But the series that we're going to be going through is called the I am's of, of Jesus. OK, uh, Jesus, in his own words, I am. There are seven I am's uh, that are recorded in the book of John. And in order to understand the importance of those I am's, in order to understand the importance of those I am's, you have to know the importance of the two words I am in the Bible. And so what I want to do first is I want to lay a little bit of a five-minute foundation for the importance of the words I am in the Scripture. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14... Uh, if you want to turn there, if you're on your phones at home, if you want to turn there, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Moses is, is kind of fearful of going in and taking the people out of captivity. And Moses asks God a question. He says, who am I supposed to say is sending me to bring these people out? And God gave this response. He said, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people. And here it is. I am 
has sent me to you. And so immediately we see that a name for God is I am. And so if you take that, and that was very commonly known. It was very commonly known among the people, among the Israelites, especially among the religious people. They knew that I am was a name for God. And so if you take that and then you fast forward and you look at what John says, especially like John chapter 8, verse 58, where Jesus says this, He says, he was answering them, the religious people, and he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, and here it is, I am. If you'll notice in your Bibles, you should see this, the word I am is always capitalized in in your Bible. Why? Because it it is literally a name for God. If you look at John chapter 1, Turn to the front of John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what John says about Jesus. He says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Who is the Word? The Word is Jesus Christ himself. The Word already existed. And the Word was with God. And here you go. And the Word was God. So in the beginning, and if you listen to that, it should bring back memories of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created what everything through Him, and I want you to listen to this, and I don't know if you've ever known this or understood this, but here's what it says. It says, He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And I want you to listen to this. And nothing was created except through him. The question that you may have is, is how in the world did God create the world? How did he do it? He did it through Christ. He did it through Christ. Christ. Is it any wonder that when Jesus came on earth, he was a carpenter? <laughs> he was a builder. That's what he did. I want to tell you something. Everything was through him. I am is a huge statement for Jesus to make. And what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to go through the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to go through the I am statements of Jesus. And so we're going to start in John chapter 6. Starting in verse 22, John chapter 6, verse 22 says this. The next day, the crowd had stayed on the far shore, saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then it says, they replied, 
We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you, to believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us these miraculous signs if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Therefore, uh, the, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied this, and here it is. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those as he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. And as people often do, it says, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And here's what they said. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? What in the world is going on here? Well, let me, let me briefly let you know the whole story. You know, let me tell you, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. So here's what's happened. Jesus was gathered on a hillside the day before. The day before, you can read that Jesus was gathered on a hillside. And he had all of these people that were following him. They had followed him here to this hillside. And the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, it's about dinner time. We have no, we have no food here. And they said, well, what are we going to do? And he, he, well, we don't have the money. It would take all these wages to feed all these people. And Jesus, you know the story. I know the story. Jesus basically took loaves and fish. He took loaves and fish and he broke them. And a, a miracle occurred. Literally 5,000 were fed. Now, that's 5,000 men. That's not just 5,000. It's 5,000 men. The counts back then only counted the men, and so there's women and children involved. A lot of people think that there was close to 15,000 that were probably fed this day. And he fed everyone, and then everyone, uh, like we often do uh, when we go to a buffet, <laughs> we, uh, we wanted to go to sleep. Some of you guys today are going to eat a big old meal for lunch. And then you're going to go to sleep is what you're going to do. And that's exactly what they did. They fell into a sleep. Jesus tells them, Jesus says, disciples, you guys go ahead and cross the river, go across the lake. They go across. Jesus stays. And the scripture records that in, in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the, I think it's the third or fourth hour, uh, which is the third watch, which is about 3 a.m. He goes across. 
he goes across and walks on water. And that's when we see the miraculous walk on water between him and Peter. So the people wake up that next morning and they're looking around and seeing where Jesus is. And so suddenly they realize, well, the disciples went ahead, but Jesus stayed back. And so something fishy is going on here. They ended up going across and finding Jesus. And if you'll notice something, all they focused on was food. That's all they focused on was food. Jesus has this encounter with them and they're focusing on bread. And he says, listen, I want you to understand something. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am, I'm God, the bread of life that was sent down. That's who I am. I want to dig a little deeper. Uh, why, did they, uh, why did they use bread? Why did Jesus use bread? I mean, why did he use bread? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. My wife has two loves in life. Well, there's four, maybe there's five, six. Her kids, me sometimes, uh, oatmeal all the time, ice cream and bread. She loves ice cream and bread, those two things. I can always, if I want to make her happy, I go by Panera, grab a loaf, big old loaf of bread with some butter. She's on it, right? We did, that, we did some of that last night. It was really, it was really a good time. Why, why do they use bread? Well, I'll tell you something. If you've never been to a restaurant in Atlanta called Ippolito's, you haven't lived. Now, I know that my friends Kip and Bonnie are listening out there today. And I can't wait, Kip and Bonnie, until we can go back to Ippolito's uh, when, when all this stuff is over. But Ippolito's, they bring out just, I mean, I'm talking about, you know how in the Mexican restaurant you got chips and salsa? Ippolito's, they bring out bread. And I'm not talking about like, here you go, here's a loaf with a knife in the top of it, like some restaurants. I'm talking about big, huge, I mean, huge garlic knot bread with dipping sauce. And here's the kicker. It's free. It's literally free. It, and let me tell you something. It is so amazingly incredible. It's incredible. I don't know many people. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking right now. I don't know anyone that doesn't love bread. I'm not, I don't know anyone that doesn't love bread. Bread is a staple of a meal. You know, we even say as part of a meal, if we're going to eat with someone, we say, hey, we are going to break bread. Why is that? Because bread is a staple. And it for sure was a staple during this time. It was part of the Jewish Passover meal. Bread, unleavened bread was part of the Jewish Passover meal. They reference this in the text. Manna from heaven during the 40 years. Manna, which literally means, what is it? <laughs> That's what manna means. Manna from heaven was rained down, and that was a sustaining bread that was used to feed those Israelites in the desert. Bread is an essential part to a meal. 
So what is Jesus saying when he says, I am the bread of life? Here's what he's saying, you guys. He's saying, I am an essential part of your life. I am an essential part of your life. In the story of Moses, when when Moses was going to feed the people, God promised that he would feed them in the Old Testament, and manna came down from heaven. And they would go out and gather up. And here's the crazy part of that story. He would only give them enough for that day if they, tried to, if they tried to do what some of the people have done in the last couple of weeks with toilet paper and bread and stuff, it would all go bad. So if they took more than their share, and this is a great lesson for us, by the way, if they took more than their share, the bread would go bad and it would spoil and it would rotten. God wanted them to depend on him every single day. He wanted to be essential in their life, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I am an essential part of your life. And in John chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. It says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's saying, I am essential for you to live a fulfilling life. I am essential for you to live a fulfilling life. Without me, you will be dead. Without me, you will be dead in your sins. Without me, your life will have no hope. I am an essential part of life. Without me, you will, you will, you will absolutely literally starve spiritually without me in your life. It's amazing because a lot of times what we do is, is we think, we think that other things are important in our lives. And what we do is we actually fill our lives with other things. I talked about this about a month ago when I talked about the God-shaped hole. But we try to fill other things in our life that we think that are essential but that are not essential. We try to fill all kinds of other things in our lives that aren't essential. Christ is the only thing that's essential. Here's what happens when we try to fill with all kinds of other things. I'll give you a good story. This past week, we wanted to support some local business, and so we went to Carvela's. If you haven't been to Carvela's in Hogansville, do yourself a favor. Go there. They have a great line. They have a thing where you pull up and they put your, the food in your car and you drive off. That's what they do. It's right out front. It's all safe and everything. They have incredible food. They have pizza. Carvela's does pizza. And so we went to Carvela's. And, um, and when we went there, we got our food. We took it home. And um, we uh, enjoyed the pizza. Let me just say that. I mean, it was really good pizza. And uh, we were all stuffed eating uh, the pizza. But something amazing happened the next morning. It was the craziest thing ever. Around 11 or 11.30 in the morning, I started feeling this weird sensation in my stomach. It was so strange. It was like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? My stomach started growling at about 11 in the morning. Now, listen, the night before, I had just eaten Carvella's pizza, probably too much of it, if I'm being completely honest. But 
the next morning, my stomach was growling again. And I didn't know. I was like, what is this? I, I thought if I ate that pizza, it would last. No, no. You know why it doesn't last? It doesn't last because it's not eternal. It's to be used and then thrown away. What Jesus is saying here is, and, and they came to him and they were like, oh, but Moses gave us manna from heaven. And he said, no, no, Moses didn't give you anything. My father in heaven gave you the manna. And he's now giving you the real, the true bread of life. And the true bread of life is me. I am an essential part of your life. If you want your spiritual life to thrive, you have to have me as part of it. As a matter of fact, I am the complete part of your spiritual life. Jesus in our lives is the only thing in temporary. These chairs that we have sitting here, this podium, everything that you see before you is all temporary. You know, we've learned that the last couple of weeks, that what's most important, what we think is most important, oftentimes are two different things. What we think is most important at the time can be turned up on its head in a matter of two weeks. And we've learned that in the last three or four weeks. Jesus is essential. He's saying, I'm an essential part of your life. But there's something else that I want you to see here in the text. And I see this all the time in, in people that want to want to talk about church and want to talk about God. The people didn't want Jesus the King. They wanted Burger King. That's who they wanted. The people didn't want Jesus the King. They wanted Burger King. Let me look, let me ask you to look at John chapter chapter 6, verse 28. It says this. They come over, they come over, cross, and they said, how did you get here? And then verse 28 starts, and then they replied, we want to perform God's works too. Uh, that, the very translation of that is, we want to have it our way. That's what it, that's what it is. And when we want it. What should we do? Basically, Jesus was saying, he, he was saying, hey, listen, we want to perform these miracles too. How do we do it? What they're asking is, is this, hey, Jesus, you remember last night whenever we were on that hillside and you gave us all that bread? You know what I mean? You gave us that bread and that fish. You remember that? You remember that time? We want to be able to do that ourselves. We want to be able to provide food for ourselves. We want to have these miracles. And so then it says, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who has sent. And then he says this, they answered, here it is again. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? What are they saying? They're saying, hey, listen, we've woken up this morning. And we remember the incredible food that you served us last night. And so what we want you to do is, is we want you to show us how and show us again how incredible you are because you can make these miracles happen. Oh, and by the way, can you do it with some fish and some bread? Because we're hungry again. After all, they say, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And there it is. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus corrects them and says, no, it wasn't Moses that gave you bread. It was God. A lot of people, you guys, will do this with God. There's probably a lot of people in your life right now 
who are uncertain. And when times of uncertainty happens, what ends up occurring is that people begin to feel unstable in different ways. And when people feel unstable, what they do is, is they run to God oftentimes. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that they run, run to God. The issue is, is this. I have met with and talked to more people who want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to be obedient to what Jesus has asked them to do. They want Jesus, they want the love of Jesus, but they don't want the obedience that Jesus calls. They want the the handout, but they don't want the holiness. Are you with me? And what ends up occurring is, is that they become uh, disinterested whenever things get a little difficult in their walk with Christ. And they end up, traditionally end up either going to another church or they end up leaving the faith altogether. Because see, what they wanted, they didn't want Jesus to be king. They wanted Burger King. They wanted to have it their way. And that's the same thing going on here in the scripture. The people wanted it their way. They wanted it their way. Look at verse 41 and 42. Now think about this for a second. If you were super hungry and there was a guy there who was able to give you all the food that you could eat and it literally came out of nowhere, you would think that you would follow that guy anywhere. Do you know how long it took Around, probably around 12 to 16 hours later, this is what they they were saying to Jesus. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know this, his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? You see how quickly they forgot You see how quickly they forgot what he had done? My question I have for you is this. Are you seeking God for what you can get? Are you seeking God for what you can get? Are you seeking God for what he can do for you? Are you seeking God for what he can do for you? Because if you're seeking God for what he can do for you and you're not seeking God to have a deep and loving relationship and to follow him, if you're only seeking God because of what he brings you, eventually you're going to fall away and it's not going to take long. It only took these people about 12 to 14 hours. And you'll do the same thing. Are you seeking God to have a longing relationship I want to say this to you. There's a huge difference between wanting something from God and wanting God. And if you're at home, I want you to hear that. There's a huge difference between wanting something from God and wanting God. There's a huge difference. And I think a lot of times people confuse the two. You want something from God. You don't necessarily want God. 
Jesus is looking for people that want him. He's looking for people that want him. Jesus wants to be your sustainer, your guide, and your life. He wants to be your sustainer, your God, and your life. By saying he's the bread of life, what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, I want to fulfill you. I want to guide you. I want to direct you. I want to be Jesus the King over your life. And I want you to be obedient to me because you love me and because we have a relationship. That's what I want. You know, I, um, I've asked this question to people before, and I want to ask it to you today as we close. And I think it will tell a lot about where you are in your relationship with God. And I, I may have asked this at the church before, but I do want to ask it again, because this I am the bread of life, I am essential, I am the king, I am the guide, I am the sustainer. I want to ask you this question. If you knew 100% that you could go to heaven, 100% that you could go to heaven, but Jesus wouldn't be there, would you still want to go? If you knew 100% that you could have all the perks of heaven, you could have everything that heaven brings, but Jesus wouldn't be there, would you still want to go? I can tell you the answer for me is no. What's your answer? That's the question I want to leave you with today. What's your answer? Let me pray. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the people that have listened online. God, thank you so much that you are an amazing God that, Lord, that you, you give us literally everything we need and you do it because you love us and you want relationship with us. God, I don't want to be someone who, who just wants the perks of following you. I want the relationship with you. God, I want to be someone who doesn't want Burger King, but I want Jesus the King. I want to be able to recognize that there's a huge difference between wanting something from God and wanting God. Let us all be people that want God. Let us, want, let us be people that want a touch from God. Because it's what we need during this time right now. It's what we need more than anything else. There may be people right now, God, who, who have never followed you, or maybe they followed you, but they're just not sure. And so, God, my prayer for them right now is, is that they would be willing to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, and I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. I don't want Burger King, Jesus. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my bread of life. I want you to be essential. I want you to be the sustainer. I want you to be the guide. 
And God, I hope there were people that prayed all over Facebook this morning for that. Lord, help us in our unbelief and lead and guide the way. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.